it's time to sit back and enjoy the Two True Freaks Internet Radio Broadcast. The Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror! <laughs> Hello, kitties! It's nap time again. It's midnight, and I'm off to lucid dreaming class. Oh, it's not one of those boring ones where you fly and have sex with Jaja Gabor. It's the fun kind, where you carve up teenagers with butter knives taped to your hands. Yeah, in this class you get an A for falling asleep. So, start chugging your coffee and no-dos. It's time for a nightmare on Elm Street. Hello, welcome to the Vault of Startling Monster Horror Tales of Terror. I'm Chris Honeywell, and we are here to start another franchise. Yes, it's the Nightmare on Elm Street. We're starting at number one, numero uno. And tonight I've got with me Luke Giaconetti. Screw your pass! (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. The other, that other Giaconetti boy, Mr. Jason Giaconetti. I'm your boyfriend now, Nancy. And Stole my alpha line, Jay. Woo-hoo! Chris Tyler, the hair metal hero. Tonight he is under. Don't look at me like I'm some kind of fucking fruitcake. Yeah. <laughs> the line. That's the worst part. So, I, I almost went with, God, I look 20 years old. <laughs> yes. Uh, that was my that's backup line. That's a great lot. And, and it was written by old Wes Craven, too, so it's even more hilarious. She does look like she's 20 years old. (laughs) She's 21. Getting old sucks, but uh, yeah. So this was uh, this was um, so revisiting a nightmare in Elm Street. Um, This was one uh, that my brother and I. I remember what the first time I remember watching this was. I want to say either on Channel Five WNYW or Channel Eleven WPIX. One night, and we were watching it downstairs on the old black and white TV. Yeah. That had a little yeah. flip on and off. and the little, like, Yeah, the little dial. Yeah, that one. Yeah, it was on Channel 5. Channel 5. There you go. I knew it was one of the two. The, yeah. they, you know, NBC, CBS, ABC, they wouldn't show schlock like this. So. Yeah. WNYW <laughs> before it was Fox. No, no, you know, you know what I mean. The good stuff. You know, WNYW <laughs> used to show Godzilla 1985 every year. Right. So I was, but anyway, yeah. So, the, so this was one that uh, I remember probably even because, you know, uh, we did the Friday the 13th series. And I'm pretty sure I saw this before I ever saw Friday the 13th, seeing the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Yep. I, I think I, I saw it before. And I, I saw it when it first... I remember I watched it at my friend Todd Riley's house in his super suburban house at, like when it came out on video. And he's just like, I got Friday the 13th. And I'm like, ooh, I heard that was pretty good. And, the, and it fucking freaked us out. You mean Nightmare. Or Nightmare. Did I say Friday the 13th? Yes. Yes. No, Friday the yes. 13th didn't freak us out, but... Fix yes. it Fix it in post. Fix it in post. <laughs> what you got to remember is what he called, too, is uh, every every year at Halloween, Channel 5, WNYW, 
would show Halloween 1, Halloween 2, and, and eventually Halloween 3. And they had to find other movies to put on. And one of the and they would always rotate what the other movies were. Because there was only five nights, you know, the week of Halloween, and they would rotate through. And one year it was this. And we said, We gotta watch this. But my dad's like, You're not watching this. So we're like, so we went downstairs <laughs> to go play G.I. Joe's or whatever the hell it was, and it's like eight o'clock at night. And we're watching on the black and white TV. And we already know at this point in our lives, we understand that there's swearing and stuff in movies, because you know, we've seen these kind of things. So when they're cutting out words, we're like, oh, I, I know he meant to say fuck there. He meant to, yeah, we knew that stuff. It wasn't like <laughs> we, we really thought there was whatever. Yeah. But here's the crazy part. Um, at that the time we saw it, we had not seen any of the Friday the 13th yet because it was before USA started showing all the Friday the 13th movies or, or TV to show all the Friday the 13th movies. Um, we had seen this, but we saw part four first. Yes. We saw that on and, cable one night. Uh, I mean, our parents were out, right? On HBO, yeah, we, we saw that. Oh, we saw part four first. So before we ever saw any of that, we saw part four. And then we saw this on Channel 5, downstairs in the old black and white TV. And then we saw, then they showed part two the next night, all cut up to ribbons. The problem was these movies <laughs> were beyond, what I'm saying, they, because they, they, but they never showed part three or part four or any of that stuff because they were too new. They had to wait till they were old enough to go into that part where they could kind of not syndicate it, but, you know, put them into their, uh, their rotation. The issue became game is that they cut the movies to ribbons so when you eventually see the movie you're like holy crap there's yeah. whole scenes with like the whole the whole bedroom <laughs> death scene you're like what happened to her they cut that no, oh, yes. the, the one the one that was shocking to me because i completely forgot about it i've seen this movie on broadcast tv so many times is the bathtub when freddie pulls nancy down you yeah. see heather langkamp's topless i forgot not, that was I, there i don't believe that's her well though. fine nancy's topless then but the point is, it's like, I forgot that scene was in it. Because I've seen it on TV so many times that, you know, they, they never show that, obviously. Yeah, let's, let's, let's just bring up how, how, like, perfectly pervy. <laughs> Before the show, I was talking to Hero about this reminded me a little of Argento. With, like, some of the, the, bright, like, the bright blue lights and red lights and, yeah. and weird angles. And the music was sort of 85, you know, jello music in in a lot of ways and uh it had that that pervy element of the director just like ah now you you take your your towel off and you know there's just a lot a lot of cheesecakey shots but it's like sort of perfectly puberty style you know it is perfectly to appeal to the teenage mind yeah, but it's nothing too skeevy in it. No, right. it's no, like it's... yeah, a, a teenage girl in the tub is one thing, but it's never like it's, it's never not like a lingering out... shot on her naked ass or anything. No, it's not full out Italian. <laughs> no, it's, it's not, not full out. Italian. It's other than the garish color scheme, right? Right, in yeah. the in the in the, mu- the synthy music and stuff, but it's just got that little when you just. You know, and I wasn't thinking about it being Wes Craven when I, you know, in context of Wes Craven when I saw it as a kid. But now, you know, I picture Wes Craven behind the camera just like, yes. <laughs> but doesn't that doesn't that really make it why this is so different than um, like any of the Friday, Friday the 13th movies? Uh, because you yeah. don't have like the nudity here is not like, oh, yeah, let's see this girl get naked. Like the nudity is because she's being dragged down the tub. The, the You know, the, when you're right. seeing whatever it's it's. It's just like not saying natural, but it's kind of like things that could happen, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, it's not. Oh, like, yeah, yeah. It's like, oh no, let me take. It's it's raining outside and the power's out. Let me take a shower. It's like, 
okay. You know, hey, we've oh, all no. we've all we've all been yeah. there. Yeah. Well, I think I think the big difference between oh, yeah. this you don't want to get air in your pipes. You get air in your pipes, they're gonna bang all night. Oh yeah. No you can't have pipes. that. It's so bad. Oh my god. <laughs> oh yeah. That means I got air in my pipes. Oh, yeah. you guys, you got the air in the pipes there. You got to keep that dripping overnight. They're gonna freeze, and then now you got all sorts of problems. Yeah, that happened to my cousin Jan. That you don't want that. You no, guys are sir. onto something there, but no, yeah, sir, man, I'm gonna do a pop in on my him and check on him later today. If you want to come along, we can talk to the plumber. He's gonna be there. Now, I'm gonna go get a drink at the bubbler. Okay, so it's cool. Yeah, well, yeah. But uh, well, you it's, know, it's it's, a... it's it's funny you talk about the color scheme and stuff because the other the other thing that I noticed and I've always noticed this uh, specifically about the first <laughs> one, and we see this a lot more so with Tina than any of the other characters because she gets like two really full long dream sequences that she's dreaming. Is as her acting is very what we'd call high affect, right? And at first, it seems like, wow, this is really corny. But, you know, if you know what's going on and you know the story, it's like, okay, it's high affect because it's a dream. It's a dream, yeah. It's not campy. It's exaggerated because it's not reality. You know, air quotes up to the mic, reality. Now, of course, that's the twist. We talked about this a bit on Scream. In Scream, the twist is, well, it's just a movie. A movie can't hurt you, right? It's the same idea here. Well, a, a dream can't hurt you. It's just a bad dream. And, you know, that's that was a, the, the thing about that was almost difficult about watching this film is that these, and I was saying this to my wife earlier, is that there's so much of the the really creative stuff here with the character of Freddy Krueger, the concept of, you know, if you die in a dream, you die for real, that would be mined so much in this franchise and just really just you know, chewed up and spit out yeah. over the years that it this is almost somewhat quaint but when you but so you really kind of have to force yourself to be in the mindset to take this on its own merit and only think about this film as itself not as the franchise you know the franchise but uh, the franchise franchise and you can kiss my, my ass. ass but <laughs> but uh, wrestling gets this uh, you had yeah. so we're we're a few minutes that you've had Misty and you've had wrestling already. Wrestling. Like, yeah, but the but but ultimately, like I said, when you take this on its own merit, it's still so creative, and so it's such a great concept that it just hooks you immediately. Oh, it's as totally as, great as a if you just take it as a standalone. Yeah. It's it's an it's an elevator pitch. It's like there's a killer. If he kills you in your dream, you're dead for real. It's like oh, that's different. You know? Well, you know, so Craven was sort of shopping this around. I mean, and and he had that idea. Because um, according to Wes Craven, he had read a story. Um, I don't remember. It's some Asian country. I don't know if it's Vietnam or Korean or whatever. But the in the the son was so scared of something. He didn't. He knew if he went back to sleep, he was going to die. So he kept st- you know staying awake and staying awake and staying awake. And finally, one night he fell asleep, and they carried him upstairs. And they're like, "Oh, great, he'll get some rest." And they carry him upstairs. And during the night, he lets out this blood curdling scream, and they rush in, and he's dead. And what happened was they found all the sleeping pills they were trying to give him hidden, a Mr. Coffee in his closet. He'd been staying awake and staying awake and staying awake. And he actually died from his dream. And then uh, what Wes Craven then, he also said, was, um, uh, you know, that concept, he took that. He said, well, I could make this into a And he shopped it around. And people were interested, but no one wanted to commit to it. And the only one was uh, Bob Shea, who was like, yeah, I want to make this. Yeah, but for a new, a new line, line yeah. New Line was seriously a storefront in New York City. It wasn't even a real company. And all right. they Not really yet. did was they were well the house that Freddie built. Let's say well, well, yeah, at, the, at this point, New Line didn't do production; they only did distribution. distribution they were basically right. they were essentially a middleman, and they saw this as essentially a uh, a relatively low budget investment that was a great concept that could put their name out there 
and and do better things. And and Jay, you hit the nail on the head. There to this day in the trades, New Line is still known as the house that Freddie built. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you think about this, this movie the, the budget was one point eight million roughly, right? It made one point eight billion and one eight one point eight million its opening weekend. It recovered its money opening weekend. It wound up going on to make like twenty five and a half million dollars. So they went from a movie they're like, oh, they they were hoping to recoup their investment and get their name out there. So they were like, holy cow, it's made a lot of money. You know, I mean, think about that return. If you're talking under two million dollars, and your turnaround is going to be over twenty five. Sure, yeah, everyone a, would. Yeah, a multiplier of ten. You know, or, yeah, you, you take that any day of the week. Yeah. What I'm saying is, but think about all those companies, the the the, the quote unquote, you know, uh, major studios or whatever, you, whoever was passing on this because they weren't making those movies. Now, this is '84, um, so we're already at the point where you have Friday the 13th, Halloween's come out, you're starting to get sequels, you're starting to get all the the slasher movies. This is not your prototypical slasher. It's easy to see that from the get go. No, not um, even remotely. And what I like a lot is, uh, as Luke touched on this, uh, Tina is set up in the beginning to be that, like, this is a story about her. Well, think about this. Her name is said 39 times during the movie, right? The word Elm Street's never said once in the entire movie, but her name is said 39 <laughs> times, right? So you're going to this movie. If you only saw the beginning, you think, oh, she's, she's going to overcome this, whatever. It's just like Janet Lee and Psycho. Right. And you, it, this yep. is what he was doing. That's what Craven's whole point is here. He's setting you up to like he's giving you this. We're going. Oh, that's a twist, you know. And yeah. Now, now well, I mean, you see all the DNA for Scream right there, you know. Yeah, oh yeah. Be... Yeah. It's it's funny in, when you in, go and back in typical and, and in typical two true freaks fashion, we did it backwards, but yeah. What I'm saying, but is it, but when, you, <laughs> well. when you look at something, in and we were saying if you looked at this movie in 1984, you had no idea there was going to be anything beyond it. Whatever, as a standalone movie, this still works. There's no oh, yeah. need for there to be anything beyond this, but it makes sense that it would lead to something eventually down the road that we, you know, the other movies we saw. But what happens is, you know, there was never going to be a concept of Scream at this point. In 1984, there was no, you still were building all the cliches, you still were building all the tropes, you still were building those things. And I think as we, as we did, we, you, got, you guys did the, uh, the Fridays, and I was on the last one there, and we talked about Scream and some of that. We're looking at movies that were clearly influenced by this. The same way that you see the influence of Halloween, the influence of uh, you know Psycho, you see the influence of all those other movies that came before that started leading into one another. And you can see Carpenter and and obviously Wes Craven here and guys like Toby Hooper and things like that with you know. Texas oh, there's a, there's a good deal of phantasm in this too. Sure, oh, yeah. right. Exactly. I mean, the last yeah. the last shot of Mom getting pulled through the window is pretty. It's another movie where it's the suburban horror, like, mm-hmm. like Halloween. It's mm-hmm. the horror outside your front door, and, and why is this happening? My favorite and is Mom is just going, you know, I don't think I'm going to drink anymore. <laughs> <laughs> That's when you know it's a dream. I, yeah. I tell you that well, that ending always, always, uh, always kind of cracked me up when I was a kid, the yeah. way that... He rips her through the door because, of course, um, when this was original, the original script, it's the whole movie is a dream. And then Nancy turns her back on him and takes his power away from him. It's very dramatic. It's very much um, kind of a metaphysical approach to the final girl. You know, the final girl has to be in the archetype as would be codified as the final girl and, you know, uh, pretentious film magazines and uh, writings on the Internet and whatnot. She has to stand up physically to, to him. Right. This reminded me almost of. 
a bit of Friday the 13th Part 2, where I, I got the notes here somewhere, but our, girl, our gal hero in Friday the 13th Part 2 stands up to Jason psychologically. Right, right. And here, yeah. and there, there she's tricking him. Mother is speaking to you. Whereas, so she knows how to overcome him by using the skills that she has, her intelligence. She can't fight Jason Voorhees physically, but she can stand right. up to him psychologically. Here, Nancy knows. She has the, the weak spot. She's got the Achilles heel that if I don't give you your power, you can't harm me. So I, I really like that because it's, it's very much, you know, uh, Robert England has called this a feminist horror movie. And Heather Lagenkamp agreed with that, but went one step further, said this is a youth empowerment movie. You know, Freddy Krueger's the old generation. He was the one that preyed on the youth years ago. And the parents, you know, they they rose up last house on the left style and took care of him. Well, now we're taking the power back. It's like that Alice Cooper song. We've got the power. So well, I was like, I don't, I don't fear you. And she turns her back on him, and he, and he fades away. And adults so, in this movie are oh, the biggest idiots in the oh world. Oh, my God. Yes. They're, they're, yeah. just, they're just completely implausibly stupid. <laughs> yeah. I love the one, I love the one cop stupid. when she's, when she's banging on the window, get my dad, get my dad. Uh, I think I'm going to go talk get the to the <laughs> I should go and do yeah. that now. Well, the, the problem is the parents are not just even, they're not even just stupid and they are, but, they, and, and let's be honest, they're the ones who caused all this. Yes. Um, you know, by, by taking the vigilante justice. And that's actually funny because Heather Langenkamp in, um, uh, uh, never sleep again they say great documentary but you shouldn't watch it until you've seen all the movies um she said she she finally said she goes she goes well you know as a parent i don't think i could i don't know if i could live with that on my soul but if someone did what freddie did i think i'd have to like it's like like you know what would you do if someone is is you know i mean I know they don't. They, they kind of downplayed the child molester aspect in this movie, and it became much more prevalent later in the series because they were trying to make sure this was they could sell this through. But it's clear that not only is he a child murderer, but he he, he lusts after them. The way he like look, the way he acts towards the the the, the um, all of them, not just not just Tina or or Nancy, but everyone. There, like the way he acts, it it's, comes across as him being you know kind of pedophilic in that, in that uh, manner. You you see that the parents not only cause this, but they are the most useless people. Yeah. Like they, they, they want to put their blunders on. They want to make sure that there's nothing, uh, there's nothing that they're not doing anything. That's the problem. They're not, they're not helping in any way. I mean, think about it. The, the mother, she, she is so blind to everything that's going on. Instead of having a, instead of actually believing her daughter that something is wrong, she immediately, they had the argument. And then it's when she pops, she slaps her right across the face and she really slapped her, which is why alcohol, it's such a great reaction. Alcohol may be a factor there right. though. Well, I no, mean, but, but I'm saying, but, but she won't see anything. She won't see that her daughter's reaching out for help. Uh, John Saxton, the father is so blinded by wanting to catch us. He won't see that she, they're asking for help. They're telling you we, we can do it. We don't want to see that. So what does the mother do to help her? She bars all the windows, rips down the the uh, thorn, the uh, rose bushes, yeah. and locks the door. And she goes, locked, 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 right? Like, yeah. like fuck. Like, that's when you're just like, bitch, are you fucking kidding? Yeah. Like, I mean, like, oh, it's geez. hard not to yell to scream. Now, Haley did not watch this with me, but Haley would, because Haley's been watching a lot, too, but she would have screamed at her, that lady's so stupid, Dad, why is she doing this? Like, well, she would, like, you know, that anger, that anger you feel Well, that's inside. the thing She's, is, and all this stuff on paper sounds so stupid and just discussing it, but in the movie, 
it you know all like well, it, the, the, it ratchets up the tension rather than taking yeah. you out of it yeah. it just well, and, well, and I, it, but it and it also speaks to it being a film that stars high schoolers when yeah. you're a senior in high school your parents you think the don't listen against you. yeah yeah your parents don't listen to you all yeah. grown-ups are stupid and incompetent you're the only one who knows what's going on i was a, i was save them i was a i was a sophomore in high school in 1984 or i mean a junior in high no i was a sophomore in high school <laughs> in 84 and, well, how, what was it? Was it year five or year six, Chris? Well, I never, I, I never <laughs> noticed. Third time, fourth time. Where we go? I, I never noticed the parents were were out of line, and as a kid, they were right out. You know, they were right on target watching it. I mean, I was the target age, I think, for that movie, at that time. So I, of course, felt the frustration with the parents, but I fit. But to me, the parents were right on character. So. Yeah, I mean, this. it's funny that it's... How old was Wes Craven had to be? Probably about 50 at that time. No, not quite that no, old. No, I don't think. That. So but, he, he sprung it, forth from his father's head like at 40 yeah. years old, didn't he? So it's Yeah, for him and uh, Carpenter. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but it's one of those things that... I mean, if I'm just going to play devil's advocate in terms of the parents, it's if it's a world where nothing metaphysical has ever happened and you were part of murdering someone even right. though the person was the son right. of a bitch and, and if they're so incompetent how'd they ever get their shit together to murder fred krueger in the you know back in the day well they were younger i guess but yeah well, but isn't that also too they went there i mean well this is again explored in different movies in different ways showing how how they killed him right is that it wasn't necessarily they went to murder they went to murder him but they weren't sure they were going to murder him and it just happens that the whole play kept fire and burns and, he, and it burns or like it's it's like I liken it back to like the burning when uh they like we'll scare Cropsy and they like yeah. they burn him alive and you're like oh <laughs> shit that fucked well, up yeah you know? but um you know say like it's it's depending on which movie you're watching later in the series may talk about how Freddie because it can different things evolve different ways but it's like. It wasn't. It was. It's just an angry mob going after this. Guy. Well, I mean, you you th when, when they said, "Oh yeah, well, he was responsible for the deaths of twenty children in the small in a small town," that's like wiping out a good chunk of the future population of that town. You know what I mean? That's that's a huge. That's like that would have been some sort of national story. You know, it was this weird oh, yeah. sort of thing that. Well, I mean, the mother says it. You know, the the. The lawyer got rich and the judge got famous. You yeah, know? that's true. So it's but she it, does bring it up. But it's I mean, like it's like, yeah, I just don't see. I just don't see like hunting down and burning the guy who did that. Like weighing too harshly on people. I guess you know maybe that's what because there's such panty waste. But is but isn't it, the whole point of it that he got off? Uh, you know, right, he never on was a technicality. And then in a technicality, uh, and then they went after him for vigilante justice as, you know, as he's still there. And you can just imagine, you know, him in the, in the boiler room making these things. And I've often well, thought, is this movie, are these Freddy movies like trying to make a statement against vigilante justice or something? And I really don't think so. I've concluded no, that no, no I don't not think really, so. But it is an element in there. Yeah, I think no, it's a the, concept that Craven liked from Last House on the Left and kept. I think. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's the it's the sins of the of the, the elder parents. generation being yeah, you know ret retribution that. upon the kids. So yeah. it, it, uh, honestly, it's something that occurred to me finally watching it this time. You have to wonder how many of those kids in Springwood at this point are probably not the original sons and daughters of those parents. Right. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, that that was the the scene that was revealed not too long ago. Actually, the deleted scene about that. 
then Nancy had a sibling that was killed by Fred Krueger. Yep. Well, that's why the parents are all older too. Look at the parents. Yeah, they're they're not. They're not. They're not kid people. I mean, they have teenagers. But to be honest with you, I have people who I graduated high school with who have nineteen and twenty year olds, and only went to high school twenty years. Well, so it, there's no one who's young there. Everyone there is clearly older. Yeah. John Saxon is clearly an older old man. Yeah. 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 With his well, funny. Tell a funny John Saxon story. About the wig. Yes, with the two different toupees. He came in with two different ones. He goes, which one do you want? This one's a little more full, but this one's a little empty. Which one do you want, Wes? And uh, <laughs> so I think it's the greatest story ever. And I'm like, dude, come on. I still want to think of you in, like, you know, Enter the Dragon. And, like, you know, you kind of, like, I'm martial arting you. Yeah, no. You know? He's always going to be American bootleg Sean Connery to me. <laughs> <laughs> I, lo- I love I love John Saxon. I, I, oh, yeah. Every time he shows up in this, I keep thinking, it's like, oh, th- this must be his other job when he's not a literary agent for uh, you know English writers traveling abroad in Italy, like we saw in Tenebrae. Well, that's you know that's what I love. <laughs> that's what I love about this movie is it, is it embraces its low budget schlocky start of whether it meant to be a start of a franchise or any, or whatever. You know, it was it was basically you know being budgeted, you know, and made sort of Corman style by like people are like, okay, let's invest in a movie and get this going, you know, that sort of thing, and yet that. Since it's Wes Craven, he invested enough extra thought into it by making the parents older and like doing like um, it reminds me a lot of um, Fast Times at Ridgemont High where mm-hmm. the kids, they're older than they're supposed to be, but they're still they're way more plausible teenagers than say Friday yeah. 13. It's... They're less. They, they are all sort of stereotypes, but they they play they, they play off. You know, there's more real like authentic feeling scenes in it and that like yeah. instantly takes it above and beyond a slash the regular slasher movie because you're in you're invested in all of them you like all of them even the ones well, that are kind of douchey they're they're real teenagers you know yeah i mean they're supposed to be playing 15 and 16 year olds yeah. I, mean, I don't buy that for a second but uh. it's um it's one of those things where it, it does rely on a lot of the slasher tropes yeah but the the nightmare series is not a high body count series. No, it's not. It's never no. really been about that. It's been about messing with people's minds first and foremost. Right, and then yeah. and then it, it works up to like a few good a few good gore effects, and they're earned. And they're earned. And they're, and they're good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I, like I was telling I, Hero I, before the show, I've only seen through number two. I've never seen anything beyond number two, so I don't right. know. Any of you're the gonna, like lore that goes yeah. the world you're, you're in for, yeah. Think things get get peaks uh, and valleys. I'm, I'm very well after after these first <laughs> two. I'm really excited. <laughs> well, I will, and I will say this: talking about um, you know the, the 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 methodology. It's not a high body count series. The the I and in one sense, Freddie is perfectly realized in this film because later on in the series, he would become a you know they they would play to Robert England's strengths of doing comedy and let yeah. Freddie be funny. Whereas here he's and not. people were, were really focused on seeing you know that that's what they wanted you know they, they I mean I mean it got to the point where by five the original poster concept was just a picture of Freddie and it said he delivers <laughs> so yeah. Uh, it's, but it's yeah it, it's one of the, yeah it's and, and and I think I've mentioned this on an old old episode of the vault it's the first two movies and halfway through the third movie Freddy Krueger is the stuff of nightmares literally and there's a certain line in part 3 where the that switch gets flipped and it's completely different after right. that point yeah but but it's so in, like I said in one sense he's almost perfectly realized here he has my favorite Freddy Krueger line of all time 
where he's chasing Nancy and Nancy's running up the steps and the steps turn into the steps melt. Fluffer nutter, yeah. Actually it's 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 pancake batter. It's oh, bi- I always biscuit. call it the it's biscuit. It's yeah, biscuit. I always call it the, I always call it the marshmallow steps because that's what it yep. looks like. Yep. But yeah. and so then at the you know at the door he's wearing Tina's face and it's Tina's voice. Nancy, Nancy, yep. please save me from Freddy. That is the best Freddy Krueger line in the series, as far as I'm concerned, because it's it, it's he's uh, just fucking with her. He's just fucking yeah. with her for the sake of it. But that's but you know again that's that's Freddy before he became you know where, where Robert England's one liners were one of the reasons that you went to go see the movie. Uh, Which I in, love, but it's a oh, different yeah, tone. Totally. But in once but so in one sense, like I said, he's 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 pretty much well formed and realized, but in another sense, the rules are still kind of being uh played out here. Well that makes it when, scarier. You're discovering No, no, I, no I, I understand that. What I'm saying is like Rod, Rod's death, where the uh he's he falls asleep in the in the in the uh the holding cell and his bed sheet turns into like a snake and you know, r- wraps around his neck and hangs him. Now, are we th- are we to think that he is dreaming that? Is he dreaming something else is choking him? Is Freddy actually wringing a noose around his neck in the dream? It's it, like you said, Chris. It's not explained, so it makes it that much more of an uneasy feeling. It just happens. Whereas later yeah. on in the series, we're <clears throat> later on in the series, every single dream we are in there with the dreamer. We see what's happening, and then we see the aftermath. Here, we're seeing it from the outside looking in. We have no idea what's going on, other than yeah. shit's getting real. Yeah, you and, know? and, so and it's in, like in after sense, a point, you realize, all right, sometimes he's going to give you a tell that it's a dream. And then after a while, he doesn't, <laughs> you know, yeah. anymore. Sometimes yeah. he does, sometimes he doesn't. And a lot of it's open to interpretation. One of the that. one of the best dream things that they do in this first movie is is one of the most real. It's how there is no continuity of geography in a dream, and yeah. they right. play with that to amazing effect in this, where Nancy will open the door from the house, and then she's in a completely different place, and yep. stuff like that just gets you on that primal level because we've all had that experience well also when you're and when they're in that dream they sort of react in there there's a it's the ultimate you know no don't go don't follow that blood trail (laughs) you know but you're they're they're in a dream so they're following the narrative of the dream like you always do in a dream so they're they're semi in control and that's what it's a it's almost a uh Lucid dreaming. Lucid, uh, a screed on lucid dreaming, you know. Of, of Let's say, I mean, it's not even a, it, it's, I mean, it's put right out there. Yeah. When Johnny Depp is, oh, young Johnny Depp. When he's talking to Nancy about the way the Balinese would dream, it's like, it's it's not even subtext. It's right. just right out there. It's, well, you like, know, you can like control. Like Wes Craven, that's what I like, lo- one of the things I like about Wes Craven is he doesn't have to be, he doesn't feel that he has to be too subtle with his subtext in a horror movie. Yeah, no, and there's it, almost always a helpful teacher too. He loves classroom <laughs> scenes with a teacher just yeah. talking about. There's one in Scream, one of the yeah. later Screams. Yeah, where well, it's what do you call the yeah exactly. But the um, yeah the the other thing. Well, he also did too. Was one of the things when you when, when in the in the classroom when when they're reading was that Macbeth right yes. or yeah instead yeah. of instead of it being just the kid getting and just like the surfer guy gets up he's like hey, I'm gonna read this and then they had him do it in a stage whisper the second time and it just adds so much that little thing of like because they did it the first time like oh it's great do it again in a stage whisper and let's see what that's like like that because that I attention victory. Yes, yeah. it's those little things like that that just change things around. You're just like, what? Are you kidding? You know, and like, wait, wait, you, you, a lot of people just miss that. They don't even think about like, okay, just did that. 
but they actually did it to, to you know, heighten the effect because it changes that otherworldly, like, why is he talking like that? Like, the surfer dude's talking like that, you know? Or, surfer um, dude's got depths to him, man. You yeah, don't know. Oh, yeah, Except man. that he's, he's, he's actually credited as the surfer, surfer. dude. Surfer yeah. dude. So, the, the, other, um, the other thing I love about that sequence, though, that is where Nancy starts to piece everything together. We don't need it explained at the end of that sequence when she burns her hand in the dream. Right, she goes yeah, outside yeah. and she looks and she sees that there's a burn there. She doesn't say, oh, my gosh. She doesn't say, oh, that only happened in my dream. She looks down at her arm. She sees the burn. And at that goes, point, oh, as, okay. Yeah, we we as the audience know she gets it, and we get it as well. We don't need it, you know, hit over our heads. And then that, that leads directly to we were talking before about the parents being incompetent or uh, you know useless or not listening or anything. Where her daughter's having all these terrible nightmares, she's having all these problems. She takes her to Roger Rabbit to do a dream. Yeah, <laughs> that's, that's <laughs> right, Roger. <laughs> Please, that is. I can't. I don't know what's going on. You know, and 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 you know he's a professional because in his office he has a picture of a cat riding a cable car in San Francisco. And you could still smoke <laughs> in the doctor's office too. Yeah. Well, but the thing is, you say to her, where you know she has the burning arm. How'd you get the burn on your arm? Where'd you burn it? English class. Like it's just so yeah. nonchalant. Like she's clearly not thinking about like. It happened during English when I was dreaming, and oh my god, in my dream, like you don't need yeah. that. Completely. Well, maybe, maybe, well, maybe Springwood High is a really shitty high school, and they got some well, really old radiators and stuff. What I'm saying is, but third like, degree burns happen on a weekly basis in Springwood. Do you need heaters saying, in California? Because I don't believe what I don't care what anybody says. These movies take place yeah, in California. That, this is the warmest I've ever seen Ohio. There's <laughs> palm trees in Ohio. Yeah, or Illinois. It gets, where it gets worse than the next one. But <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Well, it's sort of like Halloween. I think the smoking in the doctor's off. I think that was a whole tribute to The Exorcist. I think that was to the, <laughs> to the scene of the mom, the the mom too, smoking right? while they were watching Linda Blair in the other That's room. Exorcist 2, isn't it? Huh? Yeah. Is that from Exorcist, Exorcist 2? 2. Oh, yeah. Exorcist 2, but yeah, it's... Well, the, well but... Before we get away from the, the the classroom thing, I just want to throw, when when she looks out the, the and you see Tina in the body bag, um, the actress who played Tina, she had to deal with a couple different things during this movie. Um, when they zip her up in the body bag, she's like, well, your mind starts saying, don't let them close that. There's no zipper on the inside, and you never think about that. Oh, but there geez. is no zipper on the inside of a body bag because yeah. there doesn't need to be one. Yeah, yeah. Right? general rule. Yes. So she's like, and they they zip you up, so you start hyperventilating. You start just like, you know, she starts getting. Oh afraid and then they started putting like the the snakes and the centipedes and stuff and the, when you see the centipede come out of her mouth when it's clearly yeah, her prop. face it's a prop when they when the real one comes out it when the real one comes out it's really her but what uh heather langkamp said was she goes she you know the two of them have became really good friends during the movie because again you're the only kind of the only women on set they kind of were like you know girls on set they were they were all her friends but she was like she was she was such a trooper and at one point she was like all right fine three centipedes is enough we don't need more than three live centipedes on me right now <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I don't know the how many sentences times you said. never thought you'd say. Yeah. <laughs> it's when you see that, though, when she's standing and it's just her in the body bag, it's so unnerving. And I think the problem is, and this is one of the things that, uh, again, being, you know, current day looking back at this, a lot of people, if they look at this movie, they're like, oh, yeah, well, this isn't scary or this isn't this. It's like, yeah, because why? Because this is the stuff that led to this. The idea of that, that like that she's 
you know, in this body bag, and it's so disturbing. That probably screwed a lot of people up in 1984. Oh, I, it's yeah, still the, creepy to this day. It's yeah, still one right. of the, the most The flop effective. of her arm yeah. and everything. When, yeah. And it's, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it, yeah, it's to the point that, that that scene, as far as, is, as near as I can tell, directly referenced in Freddy vs. Jason. Yes. When the guy holding his own, own broken neck up. Yeah. You know, yeah. and say, come on, you know, and it's, it's, it's exactly this. It's the yeah. same type of scene. But, uh, and and you're right. It's it's the the passage of time in the 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 uh, 32 years since they. I I feel like I need to say that almost like Kelsey Grammer. 32 years have passed. It stands up since, pretty good. <laughs> it it stands up really damn good because well, you know, because the concept is so sound. I don't think you could have, like I said, I don't think this would have led to a franchise if the concept wasn't so right. sound. But part of me, at the same time watching this, I wish we almost got, had gotten the actual ending and this not been a franchise because this stands so well on its own. Yeah, well, this doesn't need the other films, like you said. The the having the the unexplained aspects adds to the film rather than detracting yeah. from it. You know, mm-hmm. it, I, I hate to reference Halloween three, but you know, uh, a good magician doesn't always reveal his tricks. Yeah. <laughs> The uh, the scene where the, where the other thing I was talking with, with Tina, this is the guys being the body bag. Um, the, obviously the rotating group, her death scene. Oh yeah, oh yeah, phenomenal. It's, right? it's yeah. Uh, you know, please retain this image for a later nightmare. Well, yeah. Well, she's is, completely it, it, covered in blood from head to yeah. toe. You know, by the end of it. Yeah, and and the, and the thing about that, and the nightmares. So now, uh, Honeywell, you haven't seen them, but you know, uh, Luke and Chris, you can back me up. The the rotating room became a thing. In, in the Nightmare series. They used yeah. it in like three or four different times. Well, if they you built it. They used it twice. It. <laughs> well, no, but they, they used it twice in this movie. But on other movies, they wound up eventually going back to that concept. Why? Because think about it. At no time are you able to walk up walls or do that thing in reality. But in a dream, it can happen. And when they start dragging her, now the, now the room is completely, they're rotating the room and everything's nailed down. The cameraman's like, in a, everything's all in place. They start dragging her around the room. She's either being dragged or she's crawling around the room. And when she gets to the ceiling, the actress actually started losing her shit. She started freaking out. So they call cut. Wes Craven puts his head through the window and goes, okay, look, I'm here. You, I'm on the ground. You're with me. You're on the ground. She started losing it. She started actually freaking out. And you can see that terror in her face. She's scared, yeah. right? And when they drop her, now, again, it was edited heavily by the MPA. The splash of blood that comes up was huge, but it hits Rod right in the face. Yep. Right? Now, there's a direct reference to that in a lot of other movies. Things hit, whatever, but that, that splash of blood in his face, he didn't know it was coming. Sounds like aliens, right? When yeah, they, when yeah. Alien, alien, excuse me, when they didn't know it was coming and it hit her in the face. That reaction is real. So they kept the reaction, but they had to cut And a lot, a lot of, of porno movies I've seen. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yes. Oh, so, Not in the uh, eye. Not in the eye. Oh. <laughs> um, so the, 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 when you see that, you're still, you, when you see that scene, it still holds. Now, if you look again, once you watch, start watching things on Blu-ray and whatever, you can kind of tell that Rod is superimposed in the front there. But your eye is not watching him, right? No. Your eye is watching what's happening to Tina. Now, the second time they flip the room is Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp, his yeah. death scene, which wasn't the original death scene, but they had to come up with something to do because originally they were going to suck him in and shoot him back out. But they said, hey, why don't we use the rotating room again? Now, crazy thing here. The rotating room there, the exact same room, they just redressed it. When they rotate the room, all the blood hits the ceiling. It hit yeah. the light. 
Yeah. It becomes electrified. The guy doing the flipping, the room, got electrocuted. He didn't die, but he got electrocuted. He got knocked down. So the room tilted. All the blood went there. That's why the blood looks so crazy as it's dripping up and stuff. They couldn't have asked for a better happy accident. Yeah. Thank God no one got killed. No one got hurt. Yeah. Well, People could have died. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And and even even, you know, even in a more trivial way with that, because the room was was now moving erratically, Mm -hmm. Wes Craven and Heather Lagenkamp were soaked with stage blood. Oh, sure. (laughs) Everyone got soaked. They said it poured out the window. Yeah, it poured out the window and flinging it all over the sets. It got everyone. Everyone's covered it. But when you watch that scene now, when the blood's dripping, it's not dripping down. It's dripping up. Well, it is dripping down, but the the stage is that way. it just your mind goes. How could they do that? There are in in a, in a um, it's this movie's what 80, 90 minutes I think or whatever the running time is. There's something like there's eighty effect shots, yeah. right? And let's think about this: the makeup to put the Freddy makeup on took three hours per day in total. Freddy is on screen about seven minutes. Yeah, right. Yeah. But think about that. It's but you ask people. Probably thirty. I mean, you ask people about you know Nightmare on Elm Street. Oh, Freddy's in that movie. He ain't really in this movie very much. No, it's but the Hannibal there, Lecter thing. But he, yeah. the time he's there is yeah. you you remember it. It's just, and, it, and it's and more directly, it's the shape from Halloween. Yes. Yeah. You know, I mean, the shape is only in that movie. I mean, up until I mean, he's barely in the movie until the last reel. Or the or the, the last fr- or reel, the first obviously. two Friday the Thirteenth. Right. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. So. It's, Just it's, thinking it's, about the effects in this, the, you know what? Everybody remembers the blood geyser and Tina in the body bag and the spinning room. You know what? The, the the scene that really freaked me out as a kid, and it's one of the cheesiest ones in it, and I watch it now. It's during Tina's dream where she's outside and she's wrestling with Freddy, and she reaches up and grabs his face oh, yeah, with the, and yeah. pulls it off. That used to terrify me as a child. <laughs> like, well, it's so yeah, cheesy. Yeah, because he's got just, cooked skin on it. And then it. But then it's just the... Oh, so. Well, think about that. Like that. That could be that. That could have been very cheesy looking, but it's played straight. So there's no chance for you to be like, no, there's not that chance. The same thing with the extender arms. The extender arms, exactly. I love the extender arms. I love the extender arms. It it looks ridiculous, but it gets back to what I was saying earlier about the high affect. Well, it's a dream. It's surreal. Right. It's not. It doesn't have to look real. It's a dream. This would become kind of a calling card of this series. It's like it's a dream. We don't have to explain it, you know. <laughs> it's like well, that does. Really it's don't. like well, this doesn't have continuity from one shot to another, sir. It doesn't matter if it has continuity. Yeah, no, it's a I mean, dream. shouldn't. <laughs> I I think this was right about the same time that movie that Dennis Quaid vehicle Dreamscape, Dreamscape came out. Dreamscape. That was well, very there, there similar was, with that. There stuff. was one studio. The studio that did Dreamscape had had an option on this, and they they passed on it because yep. of that. And actually, one of the other studios that expressed interest, believe it or not, was Disney. And what Disney said was, well, if you tone this down and make it more suitable for families, we'll produce it. And Craven stuck to his guns, you know, <laughs> yeah. good, good call. If but you I think, imagine I, a well, Nightmare no, on Elm Street. No, but if you take, no, no, but if you, if you take the bare bones of this. You could back it down to Poltergeist story, level. Or you could totally, yeah, you could totally back this down to Poltergeist. A guy that, stop, stop, in, instead you know, of, instead of maybe, well, no, no, instead of, instead of maybe slashing you to death in your sleep, he scares you to death in your sleep, you know, yeah. and you wake, you know, it's something that, that can get away with a PG-13. Well, you could, you, could imply, you could imply a lot of violence and make it more of a classic boogeyman story. Which is, which in and of itself is amusing because there's a lot of elements in this that paint Freddy Krueger like a classical monster, 
you know, it's yeah. in the rhyme. You know, five, six, grab yeah. your crucifix. Yeah. Tina grabs her crucifix. You know, yeah. in, in a way, Craven wasn't making a slasher. He was truly, in fact, making a monster, which is interesting yeah. because Freddy is way more intelligent than most monsters. He's a villain more so than a monster. Yeah. You know, so it, it's kind of an interesting dichotomy is what is Freddy Krueger? You know, I of many, many long ago in the days of hallowed antiquity, I had a book by Jeff Roven called The Encyclopedia of Monsters. I just which got is a mine great, the other day. What was that? You got? You I, have a copy again? I, I, I ordered I, one. I, I, can't, I, did, I cannot find my copy. I don't know where it is. But anyway. Well, I don't know. Yeah. So anyway, point, I, I actually point, should order one. It's such a great book. All right. Well, we'll, we'll, we'll talk off air. But Sorry. Any, any, so in it, in the foreword, he specifically says that characters like Dracula, Freddy Krueger, and others, he goes, those were covered in my encyclopedia of villains because I don't consider them monsters because of their intelligence with which they act. But here, Freddy is treated as a monster. So it's it's kind of an itch. Again, it's 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 craving kind of a, a dang, you know, a, addressing that. It's like you know, uh, we I, I would not hesitate to call Jason Voorhees or the Shape a monster. Well, you know, but the thing is, I mean, if the if, thing, if you ask, monster. if you ask most people what a real life monster would be, probably exactly. one of the first things they'd come up with is child molester. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So and what there, is, and there's Freddy is a real life monster that's become this beyond somehow he's he has transcended death you know and now like lives in some other place and that's pretty creepy <laughs> oh absolutely that's what i mean it, it it making you address that you know it's not it's not a cut and dried thing you know yeah he might be some sort of weird medicine man you know who knows <laughs> you know that's learned dream you know Oh, Just, that kind of medicine man. I thought you meant like a cheeky baby would call a medicine man. No, no. A to the Z, baby. Medicine man. A to the Z. <laughs> Sorry. Another wrestling reference. Um, the, uh, well, one of the things I want to throw this in here, the, um, all the, uh, the boiler room footage, because they couldn't find a boiler room that was any good. They went to the Lincoln Heights jail, right? That was condemned. Uh, and they shot all <laughs> the like stuff it. there. Yeah. Well, the thing is. That sounds had, like a movie right there. A yeah. A guy in the too. Lincoln Heights jail that's condemned. I mean, that's like, cut, get, Charles Band, get Charles Band on the phone. That sounds perfect. <laughs> uh, they have movies called Prison. No, well, I know that. I'm just saying. It's insane. Well, it doesn't have they, nearly an exploitive enough title for Charles Band. But. No, no, no. <laughs> um, the, so they shot all that in there. And the thing is, they found there was very high level of asbestos. So that's why they condemned it. But they shot it all in there. <laughs> but it looks really know. good. Like, you're looking at that boiler room. You're like, God, it looks good. It looks like. There's no way a house has, you know, kind of thing. Like they're down in the basement doing whatever the house, but like then she had, like they can't, they couldn't obviously use their boy, you know, the boiler room and that, like her boiler in the house. So they go to that boiler room. You're thinking, where could this be? You know, later on, you learn that Freddie, but you know, well, in other movies, they would explore the idea of him going and working at a school and doing all these different things that would go with it. But it's like those scenes are so realistic. Why? Because it's a really condemned, you know, horrible place that you wouldn't want to be in, you know? So, um, Oh, exit. Uh, the other thing too is when you watch him when they tell how to make the he made the glove right and there's a couple of things yeah. with the, glove. the the they wanted to make sure that it looked crude enough where it wasn't clearly manufactured which they definitely did they wanted to use they use real steak knives so they said we got to get a knife that's about the right size so they went and found these knives that was readily available a common knife and they used the real knives and of course the first time robert england puts it on he closes his hand and slices up his wrist for real <laughs> um, the other thing too is what robert england said was it, the, the glove was so heavy that when it put it on it dragged his hand his, his shoulder down so if you ever look at freddie he's never standing square he's always got his shoulder slanted 
the, the, his right hand is always lower. His right arm is always lower than the rest of his body. Um, and what he said was he wanted to put like he took an idea of being like a gunslinger, like that's his gun. And like Ooh. so he kind of like had that way of walking. And then he said, well, I'm going to walk the way like, uh, you know, James Cagney would walk, you know, and kind of like when you watch him walk. He doesn't walk normally. He's kind of always stepping over. He did a lot of little things. Robert England, again, being a great actor, you know, like he wanted to make this unique. So by doing that, excuse me, by doing that with, uh, you know, having his like, it naturally pulled his arm down and actually did whatever. He took a lot of those ways he would kind of like use his face or use the time because, again, he's only on the screen seven minutes. But he every time he's on there, you're seeing something. And it's those little things that I think sometimes are lost when you look at it. People are like, oh, well, yeah. Because, I mean, I was Freddy Krueger for Halloween one year and I had a plastic glove on my hand, right? But it doesn't weigh anything. So, you know, you're not, but if you put a metal, think about it, if you had to put, if you had to hold four steak knives in your hand <laughs> and then add the glove on, it's going to be heavy. And he's really a thin, thin person. So it's not like, he's not Kane Hodder, you know, he's not, you know, this giant bulky guy like, like uh, Jason Voorhees who's carrying a machete. Of course, that's going to pull his arm down. Yeah. Of course, it's going to change the way he walks. And he's not exactly the tallest guy either. So it's, it, it gives him that the, everything about it is off kilter it's not yeah but that that's why the, the sweater is red and green because craven read that those are the colors that clash the most in the in the human eye yeah i was mentioning so that off air yeah yeah the other thing i was always going to say is having the glove like that where it's kind of he's got a it, it looks like it's it's a hefty piece of hardware does lead to another you know classic freddy krueger line this is god yeah <laughs> <laughs> the other thing, the other person he referenced, he, he, he made a point of this in both, and definitely in the documentary, was, uh, it was, um, uh, what's his name, Klaus Klinsky, right? Uh, um, he, he really was looking at the Warner Herzog's Nosferatu and oh, the yeah. way that it was just the way he moved, the way he physically moved in that movie. And, and for those of you who haven't seen Klaus Klinsky's Nosferatu, it's, you know, it's definitely a different kind of picture. It's not, you oh, know, yeah. yeah, you're not sitting there going, wow, this is a bloodbath. It ain't that movie. No. Um, but, but it definitely, is something you have to see to, like and it's it's kind of has to be like kind of like watch it you have to take it in you have to kind of just like eat it you know it's like you take a bite and digest it and then get a little more in and kind of understand yeah it's it's an art movie <laughs> yeah well but that's the whole point of it though is that if Werner Herzog was not making a you know he didn't make a blood and guts Dracula movie he was making no. this movie but the way Klinsky moves as Nosferatu it's uh when you when you realize that's who he's referencing and, and Cagney and whatever you're like oh my god I totally see it Again, if you know if you know the way he's moving, I, I don't. I mean, I, I'll be honest with you. I I cannot remember, and I've already said I watched Crystal Lake Memories. I can't remember anywhere in any of the Friday the Thirteenth where they said, "Well, I wanted to make sure the character moved this way in reference to this thing." Right? I mean, Kane Hodder said, "Well, he should be able to do this because he had the idea of what Jason was, but he wasn't referencing classical or cla you know like this actor or this movie or this idea. It's just, well, he should be able to do this because of this." You know, whatever. But it was all because it was the mythos based on Jason by the time you get to the, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth movie in the, in the series. Well, Here, even, even even with Friday the 13th, you never started off as it being like a uh, borderline auteur project. You know, it, right, it never exactly. started out with a with a really talented, you know, director, writer behind it or anything. So it yeah. always had that disadvantage. 
Well, but I think though England, Robert England himself is, you know, being so classically trained, uh, you know, was able to say, oh, okay, I, this, this he could have just he could have just mailed this in and taken a paycheck and done, you know, whatever. But he wanted to make this the best it could be. He wanted to do the fullest he could do with this character. And I think by him referencing those and, and looking at how he's acting and how he's carrying himself and whatever, he's able to then go to that next you know, level, you know what I'm saying? Of yeah, and he was able to get a paycheck for a long time. Well, we'll talk about that in part two, but, uh, right. you know, um, but I'm saying is, but I, but I think it's, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I, we were kind of young when V was on television, having watched it later, you know, you're kind of watched back at V, you're like, okay, like, I get it. Robert England became kind of more of a, I mean, that was his big breakout, was V. But he's in, he has a bunch of other movies before that. One of the, be- the movies he was in, that a lot of people haven't seen is a movie called Dead and Buried, which is uh, people. Um, I don't want to give away too much there. Is it a Dan, o- Dan O'Bannon directed? That? Dan O'Bannon movie. Yes, I've been looking. Really I've enough. been trying to see that for years. I've that's a hard one to find. Oh, really? Because it used to be out by Anchor Bay or whatever. Well, anyway, the whole point is Robert England's in there, and you look at him, and he's young. I mean, he's not that he's old here, but he's under so much makeup, but it's just clearly him. And that movie is so effective for what it is. It's like it's basically like a, like a, an amped-up Twilight Zone episode, but it's really, really good. And you're like, oh, man, that's Freddy Krueger. Well, yeah, if you saw Nightmare first, but at the time, this he wasn't Freddy Krueger. He was just the guy who's in this movie, you know? So... But I, I, I that, that you, you see that when you uh, watch some B movies um, and or I should say lower budget movies, I should say B movies, you get actors who are on their way up. You get actors who are on their way down. And I'm not trying to be negative about John Saxon uh, or um, uh, the mother. I forgot her name. Um, I can't remember either. She's uh, an Altman alum, though, I think. Ronnie, Ronnie Blakely. Ronnie Blakely. Right. I'm not trying to be negative about either of those two actors. What I'm saying is, let's be honest, they had made a lot of movies by that point and they now were taking movies to make a paycheck. Right. But they did exactly what they should be doing. And and you think about it. I mean, no one would have Johnny Depp got the part because they had it down to a bunch of people. And uh, Wes Craven's daughter goes, no, Dad, you had it. And he's dreaming. It's Johnny Depp. And they were like and he got the role. Now, think about it. He wound up beating out some names. He wound up beating out um, uh, Brad Pitt. He wound up see, see Thomas Howell. Um, I got the other couple. I mean, I know Brad Pitt was definitely on that list. It could have been. Oh, there is uh, John Cusack, Brad Pitt, Keeper Sutherland, Nicholas Cage, and C. Thomas Howe. I would have paid money to see Nicholas Cage. Oh, <laughs> what's going on? What? Who? Where? Oh, it's uh-uh. in the dreams, man. Oh. <laughs> and so, uh, and like, but like Kevin Bacon, yeah, Johnny Depp really didn't do like that. You don't see. I, I just wasn't seeing any seed of brilliance there, you know. Was, he just sort of did the generic well, bo- boyfriend. It's well, not really a part that called for. A no, scene. no, but I, but you know, well, it's differently. It's not like you get to see that movie and go, that kid's going someplace. Yeah, he's going to, uh, into a mop and a bucket is what's going to happen. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. The whole point was the character of Glenn. That's why when those names I'm reading off there, the character of Glenn was supposed to be, this is how it was written, and then they, they talk about this during the, the, um, the documentary. It says, well, the character of Glenn was supposed to be like this macho, uh, you know, athlete, tough guy, like nothing scares him. The lines he said, I don't have dreams. You're like, he's too tough. Like, those same lines said by a big, burly guy who's not, you know, too, too, you know, too tough for this changes that character but instead they picked the smallest guy of the bunch 
right? And he's and he's so tiny and he's so like you know not that guy. And he plays it not not he's he's clearly you know this is his girlfriend and whatever. But it's not like you're not sitting there going oh wow what a, what a macho guy what a tough you know big dude. And he played it against type uh, even though that's what he's supposed to be. By him playing it that way, we get a very different character than we would have if you give you know you know whatever you pick some big burly guy who's in there you know like I'm I'm better than this and it change it really changes the relationship they have there between him and Nancy. You well, know, it, and, th- and and we'd see that later. I mean, the casting of Johnny Depp is the direct reason we get Skeet Ulrich playing the boyfriend in Scream. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, no, no, like, you know, again, for, for, for good or for ill, but it makes sense. He's playing the same thing. He's against type for the Hollywood boyfriend type. He's the, the guy that like, you know, what is, what is, uh, what is Glenn watching? He's watching evil dead, isn't he? Uh, well, no, Nancy's is. watching. I mean, uh, Nancy Link. Yeah. Whatever. Is it, is it, he watching it too? Isn't he watching on his TV at the same time? Well, no, he was watching Miss Nude America. Yeah, but he can't uh, hear what you're saying. So, yeah. <laughs> But, but the, Nancy's watching Evil Dead. Okay, but the same and idea, though. The same, it's on the shelf. Yeah, well, it's, no. it's it's the same. It's the same type of guy. It's the same type of guy. We all went to high school. We talked about this with Scream. We all went to high school with guys like this. We know exactly the type as soon as you see him. You know, he looks like that guy because he is that guy, and the script doesn't ask him to be anything but that guy. So you're right. I, I agree with you, Chris. You can't look at him and say, oh, this guy's going to play. He's going to play a, a flamboyant pirate in a movie that's going to redefine pirate movies forever. He's going to be, yeah, winning Oscars and an Oscar winning movies and stuff and have a lifelong yeah. career. You just never, it, you know, he was just sort of like, he just seemed sort of like 80s cannon fodder. Yeah, I never got the scent of abusive husband from this performance. Oh. No. <laughs> oh, Sorry. It's timely. It's timely. So... But yeah, but the thing is, you see this uh, time and again when you watch, uh, especially when you're watching, uh, like, well, B, if you watch old B movies, you see this. You see actors who are kind of on their way up or actors on their way down. Roger Corman right. was the king of finding those. And to be honest, uh, uh, Wes Craven, he's out of the Roger Corman school, basically. I mean, this is like, you know, I mean, let's be honest. He knew how to he, like, he get the most for one for one point eight million dollars what they're doing. I mean, Robert Shea's on the set every day going. We got to hurry this up. We got to speed this up. Get this done. Like, they took thirty days to shoot this movie. Like, thirty days to shoot a movie now. Like, what yeah. is it? A short? Is it twenty minutes? Like, you, yeah, you can't and, shoot and with practical effects. Yeah, with eighty scenes of practical effects. That's crazy. You just can't do that. You know, it's so they accomplished a lot, a lot with what they had, yeah. and by getting the most out of people. And again, whether you know, I know you guys are busting on giant death, but. Think about it. Uh, Heather Langenkamp, at the, she went on to go beyond uh, just the 10 of us as part of the Lubbock page, you know, and whatever. I mean, she's had her career, right? I mean, that that Johnny Depp became Johnny Depp, okay. It's just like Kevin Bacon in, you know, uh, the, the first Friday movie, okay. So it could have been any one of them becomes a big star. They just happen to become a big star. But what if it was Brad Pitt in that role playing the exact same way? He still would have probably become Brad Pitt, you know? But, yeah. you know, it's just – but the thing was what you got was it was the, the right mix. I think you saw – because you didn't have an expanded cast of teenagers. I think that's one of the, the downfalls of the Friday – later Friday movies when you have 10 and 12 kids, you know, all getting slaughtered because it's a high body count. By only having the four of them together, the four of them were on set for the all 30 days together. They became friends. They hung out. I think what we see there uh, – I'm, I'm reminded of The Burning again. 
remember how we talked about how they like they didn't have costumes; it was with their real clothes. And they, and they hung out in a hotel for a week and a half before they they kind of became fast friends, and you kind of just start hanging out with these people, and you realize that okay, so you kind of start that relationship. It doesn't look fake or strange. And when it's not fake or strained, you start actually believing that, okay, well, this person's in peril and these are their real friends. And this is, it's just those little things that you start kind of buying into, you know? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Because it, it, even, even to a, a simpler aspect, it's a more realistic depiction of teenagers. I yeah. think so too. I think you know, if you got, yeah, you got, you got, pretty you genuine. know, right. You got, you got, uh, you know, okay. The two girls are friends and they're boyfriends and maybe the boyfriends. Okay. They kind of tolerate each other, but the girlfriends are friends. I mean, again, <laughs> that, that is more, that is more authentic than, oh, here's 12 kids and they all know each other and they all have rivalries amongst each other. And this girl's the bitch and this girl's the doormat and this guy's the jock and this guy is the, 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 the perv or whatever. The, 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 the relationship, though the relationships here, you're right. They play as authentic, so yeah. we can buy that when they yeah. when they, you know, Nancy says that we went over because she didn't want to sleep alone. Yep, you you buy that because okay, that's and and you can see that her, you know, he kind of sees okay, well that that makes sense. You know, he doesn't like it, but it's it's reasonable. Well, they don't build the high school the the like '80s movie high school drama into it. That's just no. basically your normal day to day life in high school with Freddy yeah. Krueger. <laughs> high school think, with Freddy, but there isn't a you know there isn't like a sub story of you know she's got a bully or some you know or something like that or you know what no it's funny just just as an aside there was for a while in the mid two thousands Wildstorm Comics did a ongoing Nightmare on Elm Street uh, comic series and one of the stories did involve a bunch of you know bullied nerds and losers and dweebs figuring out a way to bring Freddy Krueger and have him attack certain people. Oh. So, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it's there. The possibility's there. <laughs> well, I, I think, though, too, when you see, and you can now look back, uh, you know, the thirty, the 32 years to this, when you look at when he did, what, what Rex Craven did eventually with Scream, by keeping, well, you had all those tertiary characters who were just there at the party, and, like, because he, he kind of wanted to make everyone together and then have them leave. That really is a story about, what, you know, the five or six core kids. And yes, there are there are archetypes, and yes, there are stereotypes, and the whole everything that's there. What I'm saying is, I think he he understands that better than other directors. Um, and again, we'll see that in later uh, later nightmare movies. They the the I think he understands. I yeah, he's sort of he, like John. He, there's a little bit of John Hughes in I'm, there. Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, Carpenter did that too in Halloween by making you know uh, clearly you know. Um, but you know, there's the, the isolation idea and everything else. But that has a lot to do with his, but you know. In uh, Halloween, they act like young adults, but they still yes. act like they're young adults. You know, they're yeah. they're like, they're they're more sophisticated than in more other movies. So it's yes. a little more realistic. Yeah. Well, what I'm, what I'm yeah, what I'm saying, what I mean is, like, we instead of making the group too big, he kept the, the group starts big, mm. but then they're all out in Hollywood. <laughs> yeah, now it's small, fast. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and that's I think that's important because I think well, sometimes, even then, the, even then, the group's not that big. It's it's three girls and two of the mm -hmm. girls have boyfriends. Yeah, but I'm saying, yeah. well, and then there's like you know, but like there, there's there's plenty of kids around, but we don't need to know those kids are right because they're they're just kids. That's right. They're just the, there's the background. We don't need to know the kid's name who's the surfer. He's billed as the surfer. Why? Because that's his only role. What's his that. story, man? Yeah. yeah. We surfs. need to know, man. <laughs> or or, 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 or the Midwest. Yeah. yeah. 
starts in the middle. I love the hall monitor, the Kruger girl hall monitor. Yeah. Right. Makes you want, it, again, doesn't answer the question. Is that Freddy Krueger fucking with her? Or is there really a hall monitor who wears the red and green sweater and looks like, you know, the teenage girl version of Freddy Krueger, who's a Nazi about the hall passes? Yeah. Screw Or a little bit of both. A little bit of both. Oh. A little column A. Speaking, speaking of screw your pass... Oh my god, rewatching this Heather Langenkamp, her oh god, her performance is so shit in this. <laughs> until she until she decides to path. get tough. Screw until she path. decides to get yeah. tough. Until she actually flips a bitch and yeah. decides I'm I'm done with this shit. When she's oh mother, like that all her, until she decides she's not she's had enough. The yeah. acting by her is terrible. I'm sorry. It's really bad. But again, is it if it's all like- if all of this is a dream, within yeah. the dream, yeah. it's, some, like it's, it's some it's some uh, some inception I, shit up in here. Is I just that. like it when they. I mean, it, the 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 only point in this. Well, there were so, several points, especially like with the music. It's a super '80s soundtrack, but I think the most '80s point is when they put her in that in the archetypical. I mean, all the girls in, with the feathered hair wore those yeah. like pink librarian sweaters. Yeah, kind of eighties pink librarian sweaters, <laughs> and I for, and I always forget. However, uh, like a lot of the girls in the like, they dress like real whores now. But in the in the eighties, like it was it was just the opposite. And I never thought much of it then. But it was like, and it was in in the movies, and I guess in real life too. But I, in real life, everybody dressed. in the movies. It was always the hot girls, but they were in like. These they they look like a mixture of Little House on the Prairie and a librarian. You know, they had the high collars and long sleeves and yeah. it it was it was a rejection of the disco bimbo look mm-hmm. and the dancing queen look because I have such a pretty mind. Yeah, it I was want like, you to respect me for my mind. It was like the, it was it was a little <laughs> Olivia Newton John in Greece. <laughs> You like that little girl in gold boots there? Oh my <laughs> I, to, I like to yell that out on roller coasters on occasion. That and I loved you in Wall Street. I'm serious. You I love you in Wall Street. I, 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 or the wrestling show, yell a good non secular, confuse the audience. It's it's wonderful, you know. But uh, yes, absolutely. It, it, she definitely does have the '80s girl look, and it's not it's not the it's the authentic '80s girl look. It's not the '80s girl look from movies made in the 2000s. No. Where everybody's no, wearing no. Van Halen t-shirts and has flock of seagulls hair. Yeah, right. No. <laughs> and leg warmers. No, and they, leg warmers. Yeah, they don't. All the leg warmers. They really, like, they still don't, like, I don't think you'll ever replicate that feathery, feathery hair from the 80s on the guys and the girls. Yep, there was but something we're going to get more man. into that in part two. Boy, oh boy. Yeah. But, I, you know, I mean, yeah, I think here... That you light, hear. beautiful, feathery hair... I think I think here I think you're absolutely right. I mean, Heather Langenkamp doesn't show anything really to her performance until, like you said, the uh, they flip until the kill she switch. says until she really until she says I'm into survival. Don't you think she that kind of helps though? Because it, it's yeah, playing with the tropes. Because, I, right, I guess. because she's yeah. Well, I know. I, I again, I, I'm not I'm not going to go so far as to say that it was an they intentional did it on purpose. Yeah. But I think <laughs> it it does it does work towards it because it's like she doesn't know what's going on. Nobody knows what's going on. Her friend is killed. She doesn't know her other friend supposedly killed her. Her dad's a police chief and he's yelling at her. She's trying to you know she's got all sorts of crap going down and she doesn't know well, her ass. Div- there's the standard '80s divorce implied. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this is not the standard '80s divorce implied. I. Think think that uh, the Sheriff Don 
didn't have any part in burning down Kruger. Yeah, I think it was Marge and a bunch of other people. And I think if your wife murders somebody, even on, because of a technicality, probably causes a strain in the relationship. Yeah, it's probably- yeah that's, that's, that's like the director's cut of Kramer versus Kramer, isn't it? Something like that. <laughs> Kramer versus Freddy. Kramer, Ooh. Freddy versus Kramer. I want, yeah, uh, yeah, <laughs> and not yeah, the yeah. Seinfeld Kramer. It's, it's, I was just going to say Michael Kruger. Richards versus versus Freddy would be awesome. You guys got uh, last names. Uh, that you guys keep uh, uh, Freddy. Uh, uh, and it's it's uh, Kruger uh, versus Kramer. Uh, Kruger, Kramer versus, versus Kruger. Kramer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, so but uh, uh, um, again, getting back to uh, well, you know, um, um, oh, I just had it and I lost it. I'm sorry. Go on. So what I was saying, the uh, uh, Lieutenant Thompson in this, uh, you know, it's funny. If you look at John Saxon's role here and think back to John Saxon's role in the original Black Christmas, it's basically the exact same role. He basically took that character and just brought it over to this movie. Um, and again, I don't know how many get If you haven't seen the original Black Christmas, go watch the original Black Christmas. Don't watch the remake. It sucks. Um, you know, if he took that character that was there that he played there. And he was able to kind of morph it into this character. It's just complete no nonsense. He's not. Ti- he's not. He's tired of this shit. You know, kind of thing. Like <laughs> fucking someone's killing kids in my town. Like you know, like it's just funny because you, like, okay, but in Black Christmas he does the same thing because John, you believe John Saxon's not going to take this shit. Yeah, but you know, it's. It, I mean, it, I look at it this way: is well, he's had- so stupid though. He, he's will- <laughs> He uses his daughter as bait to catch yeah, well- to catch the guy. Okay, that's smart. Yeah, she's the she's the big lead to somebody who's murdering people in his town. He's just like, yeah, yeah, whatever, honey. But he says that to her. He goes, who is it? Who is the baby? Who's killing people? She goes, Fred Krueger. Fred Krueger's dead. And it's immediately, he's like, he's dead. Who could it be? Like, if she had come up with any other name, that guy... He's in trouble. Um, but even so, down at the store. even you know? so, as a detective, he should be thinking, maybe it's a copycat killer. Maybe she doesn't have it right. But maybe, you know, she seems to, it's people she knows seem to be dying. I mean, all, all you can say is, man, <laughs> is that parents just don't understand. No. <laughs> Thanks, Will. That, we'll get that. And again, we'll get to that later on in the series. Um, no, uh, to, just, just, okay, go ahead, Jeff. When when Nancy says to her dad, uh, "Come get me and tw- knock this, uh, break this door down in twenty minutes," from that point to the end is exactly twenty minutes to the end of the movie. Yep. Kind of funny how they work. Again, again, could it be on purpose? Well, it is exactly twenty minutes to the end of the movie from that point. So, but you the, know, it's yeah. Well, no, well, I was going to say it's it's you know it's something to be said for for you know because that because that always that always kind of bugs me when you see a clock counting down. Yeah. And, it, and it, oh, it's not God. consistent. Try yeah. watching a movie with my dad where that happens. Oh, does he start oh. counting? No. He's like, well, that should that thing should have blown up five minutes ago. I don't yeah. <laughs> or the fucking head on a beer that we covered that. I think Dad and I covered that in one yes. of the. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I go, you, you, your continuity goes. It just pisses me off. <laughs> He's a continuity well, guy. Well, yes, he is. It, it, it That's the shirt. We need to zazzle that shirt. Like instead yes. of I'm a Paul Heyman guy, I'm a continuity guy. Well, the know? problem is this: How many times have I said that? Luke would back me up. I said you're willing to buy everything yeah. up to this point. <laughs> this is the breaking point for you. He goes, yeah. Jay. He shot eleven bullets out of that gun. It's it a, only holds six. I'm like, a, it's a bridge will... too far. That's all yes. it is. It's a bridge too far. <laughs> anyway, um, uh, that's what you say. A... Well, yeah, Dad, it does hold six, but he just shot eleven. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> it, it's a, it's a, it's a, I don't it's know been, what to it's... tell you. It happened. I was gonna. Uh, I will. I, I had. I had something I say, but it's too political. I won't say it. But one thing I do want to say: there, there's a great kind of Back forward the reference. Left. There's a great forward reference here, 
When he says, can't you just give me a pill to keep me from dreaming? Yeah, yep. no come back. We'll get that. And then the other thing I wanted to mention, uh, it's true about this film and generally true about all of the Nightmare on Elm Street films. One amazing one-sheet art on this film. Oh, yeah. The Nightmare on Elm Street poster is classic 80s yeah. horror. And, yeah. if you, and if you went into any video store worth its salt in the 80s, it either had this one or one of the sequels framed on the wall somewhere sure. in the store. Yeah. I can speak from experience that the video gallery slash movie gallery slash movies in Clemson, South Carolina, in fact, had... Nightmare on Elm Street Part 4 framed on its wall to the point that when they went out of business, I went to try and buy it, and somebody already had bought it. Our movie sure. stores never thought, and if I would be rich now, if I would have known to keep or to grab all our video, all the, the three video stores in our town, which was an amazing amount of video stores, all just when you walked in had boxes with rolled up posters in them. Ugh. They just thought, they just gave, and, and yeah, and you guys know the plethora of like you know there's your major movies and stuff but then there were the b yeah movie mm-hmm. posters and they were and they were by the dozens i i used to have i don't know what happened to my future kill poster but i had the hr <laughs> giger future kill yeah. poster and i had the reanimator herbert I've west has the, a good uh, head on his shoulders and another one on a in a in a on path his of saline desk. on his, his desk. desk or whatever. I've got the uh, I've got the um, the video distributors uh, kit for Robot Holocaust. Oh man, oh, God, yeah, that, that yeah. stuff yes, is that stuff is it, gold. It's a it's a little two pay it's a little uh, like folded cardstock sheet, and when you open it, it's got up like a pop out of the robot like the, their teeth chomping. And it, but it, it's it's the sell through sheet from the distributor to buy Robot Holocaust. Yeah, yeah. And we got it from our local video guy. And the other one I remember is I don't remember the name of that video store, but remember it was it used to be over by the by the Sinappy Pizza over on Route 22 in Brewster, New York. Oh, we're going to and, the local. Uh, well, that used to be at the it used to be at the Amico gas station, and then they just turned it into Brewster Brewster Video. I think it was Brewster called. Video. But I remember yeah. we I remember we went there one day with my dad to go rent movies, and we of course stayed in the car because it was the 80s. And they have on the wall the one sheet for Friday the 13th Part 6. Yep. And we we're like, oh, Dad, you should see if they'll let you get it. So Dad went in and said, because what the guy would do is he would write your name on the back of the poster. Of, right, right, down, yes. He'd let you get it. But he said there was somebody already had it. Somebody already yep. claimed it. It just went up well, that day. <laughs> yeah. What happened was, yeah, that's how when Luke has a Darkman poster, uh, oh. you know. And, got a ro- and, and, a, and a RoboCop. And a RoboCop. Oh. And the RoboCop was on Luke's door forever, forever. Darkman was, was what replaced him. Yes, I'm saying when RoboCop came down, Darkman replaced it. And those were actual real posters right from the video store. The one that was now on my door, um, I had Predator 2. And I have Predator 2 framed now. It's an original poster. And it said in the back, it said it said Al or whatever it said in the back. It was held from my dad. Um, but that was the thing. You just went down there. And if you were first, great. I mean, they, they, what do you call it? The, they, um, were, they, were, they had so many of them, they didn't know what to do with them. Yeah. Well, the thing is, the, 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 the Brewster video there, they had one. And if you put your name on the back, you could get it. But, you know, a lot of people never thought to ask for posters. They're like, well, they, had, they like... had one hung up maybe, but they were getting mailed probably boxes of them. I don't know if that was true where we were, dude. Trust me, this when, when this, I say this was, when I say this was run out of the Amico gas station, the guy who was the manager of the Amico gas station bought a bunch of videos yeah. and would then rent them to you from behind the counter. He didn't have anything. You no, that, that was that was video. The first video place that you could rent videos was the record store, and then yeah. the second place you had to drive into the country down a country road, and it was in the basement of this family's house, and they bought a lot yeah. of videos. And well, You told us about the porn there. That was Yeah, you could get porn <laughs> from the mom. 
<laughs> or the daughter. If the daughter was there, she didn't care. She'd rent you anything too. Yeah. Mom but, was cheerful um, about. But but it, but it was porn. but it, it's 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 indicative of a of a, a past age. Yeah, you know that that was especially for genre films and of genre films, especially for horror and science fiction. Having that cool poster got people's attention because there was so much schlock, so much pure garbage. Well, it was a second life. It was like a beyond second life. It was like all of a sudden the video stores became an extension of Times Square. Yeah. And the video he, stores he, needed shit. They needed videos and boom, all of a sudden all these yeah. movies were either getting made or repackaged for video yeah, and they were he, crappy movies for the most right. part, so you had to make a lurid, awesome poster to put in the right. video store. <laughs> and even before you got to the video, when you went to the cinema, you didn't have, you know, mm. trailers on demand. You didn't have, you know, uh, seven hundred no, cable posters. <laughs> you had posters. You went it's like, oh, what's coming next month? A Nightmare on Elm Street. That looks that looks cool. There's blood and that tits on that. That looks scary. Wes Craven. I remember him. He's a good director. You know, it's like. It's like, uh, yeah. you know, what's this? Barton Fink, Barton Fink. But, yeah. you know. That's what we had to go on for Big Trouble in Little China when we went to see it. It was the poster right. and it was like, oh, it's directed by John Carpenter. There we go. That's, yeah, that's all you, you need. That's all you need. You see, the, you, and, you know, so at that, that's what the thing I like about doing these, these films from the, I mean, I, I love watching the older films and stuff. And, you know, we'll get into some real older stuff for us um, later on in the coming months here on The Vault. But I really enjoy watching these ones from the 80s because it's, it's, it's personal to me. You know, yeah, I, I remember time. this stuff. I was yeah. there, man. I might have been just a little kid. You know, I might, I might have been four when this movie came out, but I remember it. Curse you know, of Frankenstein was a good movie, but this time it's personal. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I remember those things being the, uh, you know, being I, I remember that being a thing, you know, mm -hmm. yeah. and I'll always remember them being a thing. So. But uh, yeah, th this was this was a, a heck of a lot of fun to revisit. Definitely, uh, definitely um, made me very happy to to sit down with this one again. And, yes. and I'll say this one more time. I just want to throw this out there real quick. Um, if, if you again, if you've seen these movies, you're, let's say you're watching along with us, you're like, oh, they're talking about this. Let me watch it again. And that's what they're saying. Um, it would be in, you know, if you haven't seen them all, you definitely have to watch them all. Uh, you know, do them in order because it, it, it'll make sense more. And you try to like, wait, what this? It, you're going to be confused anyway because they're all dreams as it is. But the documentary and um, I, I don't know if you guys have seen it. It's called uh, uh, Never Sleep Again. Yeah, I, I, I own it. One. It is outstanding. Now, um, I know you guys covered – I wasn't on for all the Fridays. Um, we talked about Crystal Lake Memories, which is a good investment of time. This is a good investment of time too. I mean I think it's four hours or whatever it is. But they'll cover each movie. And each movie, after you listen to – you know, you go re listen to what we're talking about because you know, you've got to support us. And, um, and maybe you don't own them. And maybe you go to the Amazon link and buy them. Uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, you can get them for a song now. Oh yeah, well you get. Them no, you I mean, they 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 have them on a on a double feature disc now as well. Yeah. You can get yeah. which are, so are very very uh, budget friendly. Yeah, so I'm saying, go back and watch them, and then get a chance to after watch all these things, listen to what we're all talking about. Get a chance to watch that documentary. You will see that there was a lot that went into even whether you whether you like the movie or don't like the movie, you will be able to see what went into this stuff, what went into making this. When you hear what we're talking about here, you know, uh, you know, Craven talking about this and that. Now remember, this is not Craven did not, you know, direct every single one of these movies. It's not like he did every one of them. He's doing this, and then we don't see him again until way down the road, you know, in this series. So it is important. 
at least to me, to kind of understand where things were coming from, where ideas are. Um, the original idea here that led to things uh, that will lead to that next series of movies. Again, I know a lot of people have been asking, Luke has always said to me, people have been asking about, when are you going to do Nightmare? When are you going to do Nightmare? When are you going to do Nightmare? It became one of those things. Like, when are you guys going to cover these this series of movies? Because anybody who's of the right age, now I'll be honest, I don't think Dad's seen any of these. Maybe, maybe, maybe one of them that he watched with us, maybe. Maybe New it's Nightmare. Not- yeah, I mean, that, New Nightmare, I'm pretty sure he's seen. Yeah. That's, that's probably the only one my dad's ever seen, because he doesn't like these type of movies. He has never seen a Friday the 13th movie, ever, right? Uh, you know, I mean, he saw Halloween. He, maybe he saw Halloween, too, but he not, this is not the kind of movie he watches. But if you're of the right age, and this was the kind of movies when you were younger or in your formative years, these things stick with you. I, I guess kids nowadays will have that, too. I just, you know, sucks that it's going to be those crappy movies. That they're, are... they're just not R-rated as much as they used to be. But yeah, they're still, they're still hot R-rated horror. Yeah, you know, I, start, so, wow. I, I mean, and the, the comedy parody movies maybe, like, are sort of the so. new version well, of franchise you know, it, films that kids go yeah. and see some sex and violence. Well, the thing is, is because uh, Hero's absolutely right. There is the hardcore R-rated sure. horror market. It's just not in the theater like it was in the eighties. Yeah. There's this, well, the, yeah, it's not, but it's not as franchise-driven. Well, right, it's almost exactly. like it's, it almost like draws from franchises from the. They started trying to like re re franchise. You know, like Texas Chainsaw Massacre and Last House on the Left. Those had sequels and stuff like, and they tried to. Be continuous, well, well, you but know, I don't a think lot those of the, really succeeded in that. I mean, the last regard. the last couple of real horror franchises was Saw. Yeah, you mm-hmm. know, Hostel, Scream, um, Scream. Well, Scream. Um, uh, what's the one in, now? Insidious. Yeah, Insidious. Conjuring. Conjuring. Yeah, uh, you know, um, I and now I still, uh, and Sinister. Sinister. I I still think that Conjuring is leaving money on the table, not having the Megadeth song, The Conjuring, in the movie. I agree. <laughs> that may just be me. Give it a couple but, movies. So I think, you know, every, everything goes in cycles. And I think we're, we're coming back around to this concept because, you know, and again, we, we've talked about this on this before. This is not a new concept. You know, a, a horror film that is successful, generally speaking, is low budget and has a high profit margin because yeah. it has a sell through to a certain market. And yeah. if you can... You know, if you've already pre-sold your audience on the concept, you know, then they're going to go back and see it. It's like, hell yeah, we're going to go see Insidious 2. That first movie was awesome, you know? It's like, hell yeah, I'll go see boring fake night vision crap well, too. Even, I loved the first and even if they activity. get even if they get crappy, if you got a group of you that are going to see them, they're like, yeah, I know 4 was crap, but we all would – come on. There's 5s out. We all go to see – Yeah, we're going to go see it. Exactly. Yep. I mean, I, I mean, hell, I did that. I went and go. I remember going to go see um, um, Jason X in the theater and finding the one theater that we could find in the upstate of South Carolina that was playing it and dragging my friend Larry along who had never seen a Friday the 13th film before. And I remember getting out of the theater. He's like, wow, that was a blast. Are the rest of them as fun as this? And I'm like, no. No, not no. really. <laughs> <laughs> Jason X is, is a bad one to start with. It's completely different than everything else. But but, yeah. but same idea. You know, we sought oh, no. out. We went, we went to go Still see Land of the Dead. Still a fun time at the movies, though, yeah. We, you know, we went to go see Land of the Dead. We went to go see House of a Thousand Corpses, Freddy versus Jason, um, uh, uh, The Devil's Rejects. You know, we, we went and sought out these big horror movies because that was what we had our loyalty to we 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 were the market 
we worked exactly like the market expected us to work. And Nightmare on Elm Street is a perfect example of that. You would see that commercial, and it would have the scary, creepy guy voice on the commercial when you thought it was safe to go back to sleep. Yeah, and, and all you're like, oh, it's a new, it's a new Nightmare movie. Yes, and all your stupid. I'll see this in five years when it's on HBO. You and know, all, and all your stupid parents <laughs> would be going, don't go see that stupid, crappy movie, which right. made it even better. I mean, I, I mean, I, I don't want to get too into it because we'll cover this down the road a long time. But I remember going on a Sunday, Sunday, Sunday to go see Freddy vs. Jason to a packed house, a packed every seat taken house. Yeah. And I remember when they played the trailer for the remake of a Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I turned to my buddy Rhett and said, "You know, Toby Hooper's turning over in his grave, and he's not even dead." <laughs> and getting a great response from the crowd at the time. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, like I said, so to me, this, this this was a great excuse to rewatch a fantastic movie that I think sometimes gets forgotten about because of the franchise, how good and original and creative this movie is and how well it really holds up as a standalone entity in and of itself. That's Which what, was not what the remake was. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I'm sort of not looking forward to getting to that. As a matter of uh, fact, it's funny. When I went to watch this, I had accidentally downloaded the... Um, the remake and it started playing and i was like wait a minute this can't be from the 80s oh shit (laughs) this is this is where you insert the price is right fail horn (laughs) (laughs) but we'll get to that yeah that's that's down the road we got a while to go (laughs) yeah oh i'm i'm eager to get the hell out of this show so we can get into the it's it won't be the next in sequential order for your horror vault listeners, but we're we're hopping right into Nightmare Two, and I can't wait. <laughs> hopping in is going to yeah, be a yeah. prevalent thing. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. we've got some, some older horror coming from you, but don't worry, we're bringing the gay for for <laughs> Nightmare on Elm Street Two. Oh god! If the school bus is rocking, don't bother knocking. Oh, no! all about that oh, next time. No! 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 Oh man, morality sucks.
If you shop at Amazon.com, please consider using the link at 2TrueFreaks.com to shop there. If you use this link to go to Amazon and then you shop, 2TrueFreaks gets a little cut of what you buy and it doesn't cost you anything extra. So you get to shop as usual and help out the 2TrueFreaks at the same time. Visit our website at 2TrueFreaks.com. 2TrueFreaks is always spelled T-W-O. T-R-U-E-F-R-E-A-K-S You can email 2TrueFreaks directly at 2TrueFreaks at gmail.com 2TrueFreaks and all of its excellent affiliates are available on iTunes and you can choose to subscribe to either the entire network if you wish or pick whichever individual shows you want to follow. We have so many shows to choose from there's just bound to be one that appeals to your particular fandom. Just search Two True Freaks with an exclamation mark at the end, space, and the number two. You can find Two True Freaks on Facebook. Just search for Two True Freaks. If you ever leave your house and you actually have friends, why don't you tell them about Two True Freaks? If you've enjoyed our show, please, won't you take a moment to rate us on iTunes? That helps others find the show, too. Thanks for listening, and join us every Monday for new episodes of Two True Freaks. finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.